This is the Book Legion Podcast, where we review thought-provoking books to give our Legionnaires the knowledge they need to dominate the next level of their life. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining me on the Book Legion. This is your host, Tyzer Evans. This week, I'm going to be reviewing the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Foss. So who is Chris Foss? Chris Foss is an author and a speaker nowadays, but Chris got his start as a beat cop with the New York Police Department. After spending a lot of years on the force, he decided to transition and become a part of the FBI. In his tenure at the FBI, he became a hostage negotiator. Eventually, he worked his way up to where he was the lead international hostage negotiator for the FBI. So what Chris started doing while he was there in the FBI is he started teaching at the college level on how to negotiate. I believe it was actually at Harvard where he was uh, leading a class on negotiation. So negotiation is a super powerful tool, obviously, in sales. So this book is really meant to be more of a sales tool. Um, I like to like look at sales just as more of effective communicating, right? So this is a lot of the principles that he talks about is how to have effective communication to be able to get through to your client or your prospect. So with that being said, what I'm going to talk to you about is my three big takeaways from Chris and what he taught teaches in the book and what he's taught around what he teaches around the world and what he speaks about is how to have effective communication and how to negotiate appropriately with people and a lot of the the main takeaways for me and what we'll discuss is really just about how to lower people's guard how to get through to them effectively some of us are so guarded you know it's that saying that People love to buy, but they hate to be sold to. And so all you're trying to do is just lower that barrier to entry so you can just have a conversation with somebody. So let's get into my three favorite takeaways. So the first takeaway for me that he talks about uh, right in the beginning of the book in chapter two is mirroring and labeling. And these are very effective techniques. I used to call them something different when I taught um, sales reps that, from teams that I've managed in the past, but let's talk about how he looks at mirroring and labeling. So what mirroring is, is oftentimes when someone is speaking and you want further clarification, or if maybe they're being a bit guarded, you simply phrase the last three words of their sentence. So if someone's saying, Ty, I am just not interested at this time, you could phrase it like, not interested at this time. And what that would do was prompt them to keep talking. Or if someone's talking about my favorite color is black or my favorite food is pizza, you would say, favorite food is pizza, right? And what that'll do is it'll prompt them to give you an explanation for the reason that they said XYZ statement. And so mirroring is a very powerful way to continue to get your prospect, your client, to continue the conversation and keep talking and to divulge more information to you. Really, because in sales, all you're doing is you're gathering facts and gathering information. A lot of people are going to be very guarded with information. So using a simple tactic such as mirroring allows you to extract more information and gives them a safe place to do so because you're seeming like you're being interested, which you are, without being intrusive. Now, what labeling is, labeling is a way for you to kind of just like call out um, how they are feeling um, in the giving conversation. So oftentimes, you're going to label emotions. So if someone is like when I used to sell car insurance, and then we'd start to get into conversations about why are they shopping? And people would say, well, I'm looking for better coverage because I was in an accident and blah, 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 blah. And so labeling would be, what I'm hearing is, is that you're seeking better coverage because you were in a bad experience where you were underinsured, which caused financial straits at home. So you're looking to seek more robust and better coverage 
to protect you and your family. Am I hearing you correctly? Right. So I'm just simply labeling the, the, the conversation and our aspects of the conversation. And what labeling and mirroring does, especially I feel like labeling, it's like you're rephrasing exactly what the person said. And by you doing that, it makes that person feel as though they have been heard. And it also gives you and them an opportunity where if you didn't label correctly, where they can correct you. So no, that's not exactly what I meant. Well, great. What did you mean? Again, sales is all about just effective communication. So it's not about trickery. It's not even for me. It's not about persuasion. It's about having a direct, transparent, clean method of communication. So mirroring and labeling allows you to get more information so you can better serve and help your clients. So the next part I'm going to talk about is chapter four. And chapter four is talking about yes and no. And beware of yes, master no. And Chris Voss does this beautifully. And he talks about in sales, so many of us we're just trying to get to that yes, get that person to say yes. Now, I was even taught early on in my sales career to have the person say yes a lot psychologically. And then when you go for to ask for the sale, they the thought was that they've already said yes three or four or five times in a conversation, so they'd be a lot more likely to say yes to when you ask for the sale. Now, I can tell you that doesn't work very well, um, having tried that method. But let, let me read you a quote from page 75 where he talks about master no. So if yes can be so damn uncomfortable and no such a relief, why have we fetishized one and demonized the other? We have it backwards. For good negotiators, no is pure gold. That negative provides a great opportunity for you and the other party to clarify what you really want by eliminating what you don't want. And so a great way uh, and a great example of this he talks about, you know, is now a good time to chat. Are you opposed to learning more? Those aren't yes-oriented questions. They're no-oriented questions. So if they say, no, now's a good time to talk, right? Okay, great. Now you have complete focus, complete control to dive into the conversation. So I also wanted to read you another quote on page 85 that I thought was really relevant to this topic. So we live in an age that celebrates niceness under various names. No starts conversations and creates safe havens to get the final yes commitment. An early yes is often just a cheap counterfeit dodge. And I've experienced this a lot in my sales career. Oftentimes people say, yeah, that sounds really great. Send me an email. Yeah, that sounds really great. Let me talk to my spouse. Yeah, that sounds really great. Why don't you call me back after I get paid? All they're really doing is they're just simply trying to push you off because they feel uncomfortable saying no to you because you're being so strong looking for the yes that they're going to give you the yes that you're looking for. And they're going to push you off a couple of weeks that they have to, you know, talk to somebody else. They have to get paid. All these different types of really what they are is excuses because they don't want to talk to you anymore. And then you're going to spend the next three, four, five, six months chasing that person inevitably just to get a no. So... I like that he just kind of calls it out for what it is that, you know, when we start to ask no oriented questions, it gives people the chance to feel safe. And this is what he talks about on page 88. No creates safety, security, and a feeling of control. It's a requirement to implement success. And so when you allow someone to say no, like I said, are you opposed to learning more? Oftentimes what people say, you know, can I set up a meeting with you? When's the next time we can meet, right? There's all these types of questions. You know, can you get your credit card? What credit card do you want to use? All these things and tactics we try to get to label sales, but really people know that's coming. So they start to get anxiety, which when they start to get anxiety about 
you potentially asking them a yes-oriented question, it creates friction in the communication, which turns them off and dilutes your sales. So asking oriented questions gives them a safe place and really you're giving power and control or at least perceived power and control back over to your prospect by asking them no-oriented questions. This is why I really like this method. So, you know, I would do a deep dive into chapter four. It's probably the most meaningful thing for me with learning to make sure that I'm asking the right type of questions to help lower the guard of the prospect or client I'm currently working with and also give them an opportunity to be in control and have power within the conversation as opposed to a salesperson dominating the conversation. So the last section I'm gonna cover is on page 128. And on page 128, he talks about anchoring their emotions. And this is a great tactic as well because oftentimes what salespeople don't recognize is that they're starting the conversation and they know in the back of their mind they may have a weak point in their company, they may have a weak point in their product, They may there might be a, a gap of knowledge that you as a salesperson might not have. Oftentimes, especially if you're a salesperson where you're covering a wide variety of industries, the person you're calling on, you know, say like you're a business consultant, you can advise lots of different businesses, doesn't mean you know anything about their businesses, you know about business, but not about their, their particular silo. And so you understand that they're gonna have preconceived conceptions of the process and or maybe something that's it's a current client that's going astray in the process. So let me read you a, a quick quote he puts in on page 128. So to start out with an accusation audit acknowledging all of their fears. And so what this means is that you basically put out whatever thing that you think that might hinder them or they might be fearful of. You just laid out right from the get-go. So if someone's worried about the cost being too much or they're worried about, it could be a million different reasons. You just get right to the chase about whatever that is. You know, if you work for a small company, they may be worried about that you're a small company, they've never heard of you, they understand the branding. And that's where you just say, hey, I realize we're a small company you've never heard of before. I can completely appreciate that. You know, there's some definitely some juggernauts out there. But the reason why we're best suited to help someone in your position from what I've heard from our conversation is because we are so small that we can give individualized attention to your needs on a very personalized level. You're not going to be another just a cog in the machine. You're not going to be another customer just thrown in, never to hear from me again as your sales rep, and then put with customer service and become siloed in a big organization. So that's just one way of framing it where you're acknowledging their fears, the thing that's in the back of their mind, like, I don't really know. This company's only been around for five years. They're kind of small. Or I know XYZ company because they've been around for 80 years and they're much more well-branded. So just acknowledging that and anchoring their emotions from the get-go, you just get it out of the way. It's one of the things I used to do with price when I sold car insurance a lot of the time, you know, because people want to get so fixated and silent on price, then it alleviates all the value conversation you just had. So, you know, I just tell them up front, hey, we're not going to be the cheapest insurance that you're going to find. I can tell you that right now. So if you're just looking for cheap, you probably can go call five, 10 other companies and find a, a cheaper price. Now, but let me ask you a question. If you removed price from the conversation and money were of no object, what would you be looking for in an insurance company? And really what that was, it just kind of called out, we labeled, we anchored their emotions that they're concerned about price, and we know that price is an issue, but let's table that for a second. Let's really talk about what you're here for. 
And then you can dive in to really and get to the meat of why, because oftentimes people aren't always just shopping for price. Sometimes it is, but oftentimes because they had a bad customer service experience, maybe they, they switched the price uh, midterm, they renegotiated contract terms, all these different types of variables, but oftentimes you'll just get, oh, we're just shopping for a better price. And again, that's just someone kind of putting a hand up in your face because they're used to salespeople trying to pitch them hard as opposed to just listening and having effective communication. So anchoring their emotions from the beginning allows you to understand, allows you to tell them that you understand where they're coming from and you acknowledge their fears and it gives them a safe harbor then to dive into the deeper rooted issues of what you hopefully can solve with your product, good, or service. So overall, never split the difference. I will tell you honestly, probably one of the top five sales books, uh, best sales books I've ever read. I don't even know if you know if Chris Voss considers this to be um, a sales book, but that's just how I look at negotiation. But life's a negotiation. You negotiate with your kids, your partner, your parents, you know, the guy at the grocery store, whatever. You negotiate with people all the time. So it's just an effective way for you to learn how to have better effective communication. Yeah, I'll put a link down in the show notes so you guys can purchase the book. I believe the book's between $10 and $15. It's a nice book. Uh, you know, it's about 260 pages, so not a super long read. But what's great about what Chris does throughout the book is he's a phenomenal storyteller. So you get all kinds of great stories from real life hostage negotiations while he was in the FBI. And then how to apply the things that you're learning in the book, or at least how he applied them in a hostage negotiation, which is oftentimes life and death, right? So if these principles are applying in life and death uh, situations, then of course they're going to work when you're selling, you know, equipment or you know, pharmaceuticals or whatever else, insurance, whatever you do. Um, so the link will be down there. I definitely give it a thumbs up. So one of the top five best uh, sales books or uh, effective communication books I've ever read. If you guys haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate your support. Kevin and I, uh, we're all over the world now, which has been really cool because we've never spent a dollar on marketing. So the growth has really been from you guys sharing with friends and family. So if you could please continue to do that, share with three or four like-minded book lovers uh, who want to elevate the quality of life, especially as we enter to 2023. You know, we have a really robust list of books we're going to knock through this year. And, you know, the goal of the book legion is to have you be your optimal self. And there's no better way than to learn through the power of other people and books. It just expedites your learning curve and everything that you can accomplish in your life. So please make sure you subscribe and share with three or four uh, friends. We'd be super grateful. Have a happy holidays and we'll talk to you guys in 2023.